welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. And welcome back to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. I'm Chip Patterson. That's Barton Simmons. Week 9 is in the books. We're here to break it down for you, Barton. Uh, we had, I think, you know, 7, 8, 9. I think we might have had 10, 9 ranked AP teams, 9 ranked coaches poll teams lose. Some of them to unranked teams, some of them to other teams within the top 25. A uh, lot of shakeup right now in the rankings as we sit down to record on Sunday afternoon. How was your Week 9? It was great. Uh, a lot of good football. Wife was sick on Saturday, so that meant I had to do a little double duty. Uh, so that was a challenge at times, chasing a couple kids and watching some games. But I do actually feel like I absorbed a lot of this weekend, and I I, I very much enjoyed it. I uh, have uh, I've got we've we've got a a we've got a rubber match, I guess, with our next lock fight for bragging rights. One one, we each went one and one in our two. Did we? Okay, yeah. There was so much. There was so much lock. Um, so it was. It was. It was a convoluted lock weekend. It was hard for me to keep track of. Uh, so I'm glad that you've, you've got our, our record straight. Do you? Uh, were you the one who got your wife sick? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> So and somehow it hit her a little harder than it hit me even, I think. So. so so you were overcoming adversity to get through your week nine Saturday, along with shouldering some of the blame for the state of the program. Right. And when the wife gets like when I get sick, like it's just it's just me. But when the wife gets sick, the entire operation all falls apart. Like the whole <laughs> house is just in shambles. Like there's kids running into the street. There's, you know, the there's like plants and dirt in the floor and it's just a mess so uh yeah it was, you're it so was survival. you're it was a survival <laughs> you're so specific about the plant and the dirt on the floor that that happened <laughs> no no doubt yeah yeah, yeah. There, might, there might still be dirt on the floor right now um okay i there's a couple different places that we need to we need to get to some of those teams that impressed us with big wins um you know you've got so what does texas's loss mean i i want to start with the worst home loss in Florida State program history and tied for the worst loss in program history, period. The worst loss in program history, a 49-point decision to Florida in 1973. The worst home loss previously was to Southern Miss in the early 80s. Like, Willie Taggart, year one, already just jumped off to a bad start at Virginia Tech. Where, where are we headed with this with the Seminoles? And I, I guess there's a lot to talk about that's good about Clemson, which we, of course, are packaging in here. But, uh, man, Barton, like, have you have you sort of come to grips with this 36-year bowl run ending this year? Is that is that where we're at? Is, is it going to end? Like, do they have to pull yeah. some massive upset for it not to? It is not a massive upset, but, I mean, it's going to take beating Boston College and NC State. And do you think Florida State both, is going to both of those? Both of those. Yeah, I don't see them even both of those. They could, they could, they could snag one. I mean, I do think, I do think that if if I mean, is this not a little bit the equivalent of? Um, 
mean, who is Alabama just smoked? Uh, I mean, I guess Alabama. How about Alabama beat Missouri? Uh, what was that? It was 35 or 40-something. Tua went down so, with an injury in the second 39 half. 39-10. It was 39-10. Yeah. So significantly more respectable than this. <laughs> like, I, part of me wants to say, like, this, all right, okay, wow, here we go. Clemson's just being Alabama now. We, we got an Alabama contender for sure. Trevor's out by the fourth quarter. Yeah, Florida State got, got stopped, but who isn't by this Clemson team? Um, but this is probably a little bit – I mean, we have that. I think that's true, all that. But I, the fact that Florida State couldn't muster more than that is is pretty concerning. And the fact that – what they rushed for? Like like negative 25 yards or something? Yeah. It was at negative 13 at some point in the fourth quarter. I don't know where it finished at. But, I mean, like DeAndre – 35, 35 rushes for negative 21 yards. What? I think I think Cam Akers had like seven yards on thirteen carries or something. I mean, I don't know, man. How bad did you feel for DeAndre Francois? Like when he finally was out of the game. Like I, I hope I don't know if we have a, a total and clarification. He got knocked out, right? Like he got he got he got uh, he's injured. He got injured, right? I don't know how serious it is, but I wasn't watching when it happened. But apparently, he got knocked out of the game. It. I mean, it was it was a hard hit. It was to or near the head injury head area. I'm saying that if uh, this is the college football playoff semifinals, he might come back. But the fact that he was even still in the game, I think, was worth questioning. And I think after that hit, they were like, "Ah, yeah, not nah, DeAndre. You're done. Yeah. You got. We got to get you out of here. This isn't he. He took such a beating in this game, and." I mean, like Clemson's defensive front, yes. Like this is the second straight week that I've been very, very impressed by that group. But man, they were they were gonna be impressive. They were like, uh, they, they made the comment on the broadcast. Clemson's twos and threes were getting it done against Florida State starting offense. Yeah, uh, that, yeah, that's a great point. And look, it's it bears repeating. According to the twenty four seven Sports team talent composite, Florida State. Is the, has the fifth most talented roster in the country. Has the, in terms of the star t- power, from their high school rankings, Florida State is five. So, like, what do you think Florida State would look like if Jimbo Fisher had stayed? Do you think he was jumping off a, a, a sinking ship, or do you think that that they would be significantly better than this? It's it, there. There's something about, and I I don't um, I don't want to paint myself totally as a believer of culture. But Willie Taggart said after the game, he said, uh, we had some guys quit today. And that was yeah. very disappointing. And I think that we saw Florida State quit last year. Like I, And this, I, and this feels I, like a radio guy hot take, but I, I just think there's some, some quit in that locker room. That's a good point that this is, you know, that the new culture, they got to get it fixed, but it was already trending that way last right. year in terms of a quitter mentality. Um, and so that's, I I think perhaps it's going to take a little bit of time here. I mean, but I also think this was the, let, let's also, I think stand in awe a little bit at Clemson because while everyone sort of shut down Florida state on defense, I guess we, we sort of expected that, but what Clemson did to Florida, I mean, Florida state's defense has been really good this year. 
And so what, for Clemson to go out and, and, and do that to them, I, I do think is it's, it's no longer Alabama and everybody else. I think it, you probably got to go ahead and say it's Alabama, Clemson, and everybody else. Don't you? It, all right. So it was really funny in the second quarter. Because remember, Fl- Florida State's defense had the advantage early in this game against Clemson's offense. Scoreless first quarter. 0-0 zero, yep. zero heading into the second. Um, I think it was the DeAndre, uh, DeAndre Francois interception. You know, turnover sets up Clemson, which I think it might have still even been scoreless. Oh, no, or maybe this might have been the penalty on the rough and the kicker. Anyway, there was the rough and the kicker penalty. It was a pass interference in the end zone. You look up, and after Florida State's made two stands, Clemson's got first and goal at the two-yard line. Florida State gets a stop on first down, stop on second, and I made a note to myself, man. I was like, if Clemson has to settle for a field goal here, they can't win a national championship. Like, it just felt like one of those moments. And then they send in Dexter Lawrence as a fullback and Christian Wilkins as a halfback yeah. and <laughs> pounded it in there. And Tom said, uh, I'll never, yeah, Tom was like, yeah, I mean, as like as much as Florida State's defense has been held out to dry in this game, I ain't tackling Christian Wilkins either. <laughs> like nah i'm just it ain't it ain't worth it my man no no and then the onslaught began yeah and then and then it was that was it yeah yeah so you just think it was look they'd held up so long basically for so many games and it was just that was the 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 dam broke yeah and yeah they had forced the field goal and then it was asante samuel running into the kicker extends it Trevor Lawrence tries to like fire just an absolute bullet to T Higgins in the end zone. And I think it was T Higgins. I might've messed that up, but then uh, it's a pass interference. All of a sudden two flags have screwed you. You got two stops and here comes six, five, three fifty Dexter Lawrence and six, five, three fifteen Christian Wilkins. Nah. All right, cool. You got it. So we got a lot of games to get to, but I, I'm I'm just curious to go back to all right, right now. Florida State is what they are f- uh, four and five. Four, Wait, no, that's not right. Four and four. Four and four. What do you What do you think the record would be with Jimbo? <clears throat> would Would they be five and three? Would they be Would they be three and five? I I think it would be the same. I do. Yeah. I, I don't. I mean, the, like, it, if anything, if you, look, if you look back, I guess I mean Virginia Tech and Syracuse. I, I, I think they would have been more competitive at least against Virginia Tech and Syracuse because it wouldn't have been the, you know, the the offense would be the same offense, and they would understand how to utilize their talent a little better, and they they put guys in a better position early in the season. There would be that tra- like sort of that transitional period, um, adjustment period, but. I don't, you know. I, I think don't know I think there's... it's one game better, and and I got two reasons why. Number one, Jay Sternberger comes to Florida State, game changer, right there. If Jay Sternberger's on that Florida State offense, scoring eight touchdowns at this point in the season, um, but seriously, I do think that the installation of Willie Taggart's offense has has like come with the worst possible offensive line group. And wide receivers that, for reasons that I do not understand, do not seem to be able to get uh, a lot of separation. Like, am I? Or am, do you see that differently? 
Like did they, like Nyquan Murray's a freak and he'll they're they'll get some awesome plays, but I think that on a general down to down basis, it doesn't feel like it feels like the passing game has blame to go all around from quarterback to offensive line to wide receiver. Yeah. I agree. I mean, and, and I, I still think there's some. I think it's a a product too of just the system not catching and taking hold yet. Um, you so know, yeah, maybe remember, one win better. Maybe maybe they're five and three. All right, and then the other side of this is okay. Are you now? Because I predicted Clemson to win the national championship before the season, and I think did you also? Probably. Or did you pick Alabama? Uh, uh, I don't know. Clemson's way more fun. So yeah, probably. So anyways, and then but I've certainly fallen off that given the dominance of Alabama and given Clemson's struggles through the first five weeks of the year. Um I'm willing to entertain given, Alabama it, losing in the semifinal. And I feel like as I've always been willing to entertain an Alabama loss in the college football playoff, but I've absolutely slid over to Alabama is the best team, period. Okay, last three games, 164. Five, I'm just doing like quick math. 163 to 20. Last three games, Clemson. Uh, so I think it's fair to start saying this might be. Now that Trevor's. Full, three games where Trevor Lawrence has been the full time starter, 163 to 20. Um, and so I, I do think it's fair to start saying, okay, do we have a 1A and 1B? Yeah. But for sure. All right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, Clemson's very, 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 very good. Clemson is elite through and through. Whether or not Clemson wins the national championship or gets uh, to the college football playoff without a loss, I don't know. Like, Clemson could lose a game. I, I don't think it'll be in the ACC championship. And I don't think it'll be to South Carolina. We'll, uh, But we'll see. I mean, like... Clemson it ain't can, gonna be to South Carolina. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean a, but like Clemson could get in the way of itself. Like I'm, I'm absolutely still willing to entertain the idea that, for example, they lose at Boston College. You know, like I could, yeah. I could see that that's happening. The, that's the only spot I could see it possible. But on this, on this schedule, uh, but Clemson's elite, and Clemson's in a category where, in the in the best in in the good old best versus most deserving argument. If, if college football playoff is only looking for the four best teams, you cannot hold that playoff without Alabama. And I'm willing to start to step in the direction of you cannot hold that, that playoff without Clemson. Agreed. I don't, I don't, I don't see it. Yeah. Um, all right. So what about, uh, how about, so you got the lock fight win with Oklahoma state spot on through and through your boy, Dylan Stoner was just speaking to me, taunting me as, uh, as Oklahoma state, was rolling through Texas's defense. Chris Boyd suspended for the first quarter for uh, a team issue. I think he was late to a meeting, and he didn't have a good game after that. This Texas defensive backfield pretty much uh, got outplayed for most of the game. What? Where are we at with the Longhorns? Do you feel like we, we've, we've spent a lot of time during this podcast this year evaluating where we are at with Texas? What, what Texas was, back, are they back to not being back? They are they are definitively back to not being back. Are they really? I'm gonna still get as well. Look, as long I guess what we've decided is the the bar for back the back bar is Big Twelve championship game, and I still think 
I don't know if they end up in it, but I think they that that, that would be my 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 bet. I guess is, is Oklahoma and them ultimately. Uh, and I still think this is this is allowable. I'll allow this a a game on the road against a good team, homecoming at night, prime time. You're getting their best shots. Close game. You didn't get blown out. You had a chance to win it, and I, I, I will allow this to happen and still respect where Texas is at this point in in their program. Because if you look at it, still like this game was everything it was, you know, that it, it was supposed to be everything that Oklahoma State wanted to be in terms of like, you know, like Mike Gundy's going for it on fourth down, and not only is he going for it, he's like throwing bombs, like fourth and one. And he's throwing a bomb down the field, and he's and they're just making plays. And so, you know, sometimes a night like that just hits, and it's hard to overcome it. And credit Oklahoma State, Taylor Cornelius, that big old goofy looking dude, is out there running the zone read and pulling it and <laughs> running for touchdowns and like. Uh, Dude, they know, were really playing up his under recruited angle. How how much credence did uh, would you give to that? They were they were playing him up like he was just a uh, high school Mister Everyman who is only in the game because of like some horrible mistake. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I don't know. He, he he's a walk on, so I mean, I I I wasn't fo- I didn't follow him in high school. I had I had no idea who the guy was. So I'll trust them a little bit. I mean, I guess like was Fowler playing it up a little bit? Maybe, but it sounds like if, if he was a walk on, then yeah, he's I, a walk on. nobody he had walk- a profile from him. And, and, and he held, and he held off uh, a couple of, I mean, they've, they've recruited a couple pretty good players that are on the roster right now. That's um, he's held off and beat. And so, I mean, he did enough to win that game and, and particular, I mean, every time, whether it was the, by the way, a, so how how much did you watch a lot of this game? Some of it. I was late to it. I mean, I came in well, the, hard. The good stuff at, was in the second half, anyway. So yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I got that. The, did you see the the sequence where like Texas cuts it to three, Oklahoma State, uh, Texas cuts it to three. Um, they get then they get a stop, and you're just like, well, Texas is going to win this game, and then Oklahoma State punts it. And they, it's it's a great punt, and Brandon Jones fields it like backtracking, ends up like backtracking to his own one, gets tackled, nearly have a hold in the end zone. They have to punt it away, and then Oklahoma State comes down to score, and they're about to score. They're on the one yard line, and uh, and I hope I have the sequencing right. And Chuba Hubbard uh, fumbles it, and now it's like third and goal on their own on their ten. And you're like, well, if they get a field goal out of this, Texas is going to go down and score and win this game. I can't believe this is happening. And then Taylor Cornelius, zone read, pulls it from the 10 and, and, and finds, the, finds the end zone. Just like an awesome, wild, zany college football sequence of events that you would never see in the NFL, but just makes the game so much fun. That was like my kind of highlight of the game. But it, the, you know, the whole second half was just this great, tense atmosphere where you knew Texas was going to make their run. And Oklahoma State kept on kept on hanging in there and just got got the job done at the end. Mike Gundy's rant, plus or minus. You like his little Twitter rant? I don't care. I'm good with it. Yeah, I mean, I'm on Twitter, but I don't just disagree that Twitter is, which is what his 
this kind of his rant was. Yeah. He's like Twitter. Yeah. Oh, I'd give a rat's ass about Twitter. Basically, Twitter sucks. Yeah, it's 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 a place for people to complain. There's a lot of complaining in life right now. It's kind of a complain world. But hey, hey it's it cheap. Is what it is. It's cheaper than therapy. Barton Simmons. Hey, who do, who do you want to see more in a fight? Uh, Tom Herman versus Mike Gundy or Derek Mason versus Dan Mullen? Those are our two. Those are our two uh, uh, mid mid game sideline coach fights that we've had to break up so far. What what's 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 a more competitive fight? Which one do you want to see? Derek Mason, Dan Mullen. No question. I think, I think probably. I think you're probably right there. It feels. So I, I bet. You, I just think Gundy or Herman are uh, both likely to have to like take it up a notch or take it too far. Like, I don't know if we'd get a good fight out of it. Like they've one of them has brass knuckles, you know. One, yeah, one of them. I can see that. I can see that. Yeah, Derek and Dan, they'd both be like, "All right, let's tap gloves." Let's get it off. <laughs> right, right. You know? Yeah, I think I think we see a more physical and aggressive, and I'm going to finish this fight like the proper way between right. Derek Mason, Derek Mason, and Dan Mullen. Unless unless Todd Grantham just comes in like like out, out of nowhere with a baseball bat and just starts starts going to town and said, saying, I got look like things were going bad for you, Dan. I got you and just gets gets super psycho on somebody. Yeah, like a Tom, Tom Herman's gonna do an eye rake or like poke Gundy in the eye yeah. <laughs> and yes. Gundy's gonna like pull off a a boot, like a belt buckle and smash Herman upside the face with it or something. You're, yeah, you're exact that is you're exactly right. That that's, exactly and that's not that's not my style. That's not what I want to see. Yeah. Yeah, let's have a gentlemanly uh let's have a, a, a gentlemanly brawl between Derek Mason and Dan Mullen. I think they I think they would respect the respect the sport a lot more so than uh than Tom and Mike. Yeah, oh, I'd give a rat's ass about Twitter. So no uh you you are more I am bailing from the Texas um from from the Texas backness would be the the Texas back boat. I guess if it was a boat it would be on a on a lake party it was a party boat on the lake in Austin, right? It's like a like a pontoon, pontoon boat. Pontoon boat. Yeah. So okay. It's just sort of hang like no one's like it's not like we're racing around, but it just sort of everyone's just sort of chilling on it. Yeah, just, I'm I'm off. I, I'm gonna jump off and go swim to to another boat because yeah. uh Pour out your shiner. You just got like a little bit left yeah. at the bottom of it. And just, <laughs> yeah, I'm just don't, gonna don't want to down it. <laughs> I'm gonna dump my shiner on the side. I'm gonna jump off and and swim away because yeah, I take a step back and and to me, Texas being back isn't just getting to the Big Twelve championship game, but being a legitimate Big Twelve title contender. I mean, for a decade. Texas, but aren't you? If you get back to the Big Twelve title game, aren't you a contender? I mean, I, aren't you? I, but I need to game? see it like multiple years. Like that's that's what I'm okay. saying. For, because for a decade, Texas was basically either the first or the second best team in the Big Twelve. Period. So yes. we've got to at least spend three years or two to three years or some window of time, some window of time where consistently Texas is either the best or the second best team in the Big Twelve. And right now. I am not even positive that Texas isn't going to lose another game this season. You know, like it's a, it is a two loss team with a very, very, very good win 
but it's a two loss team with a loss to Maryland and a loss to Oklahoma state. And that's just not, that's just not that, uh, that's not that crispy backness that I'm looking for. No, no, that's, uh, that's a little bit undercooked. Um, the, you know, part of my calculus for picking Oklahoma state was just that it was less that I felt super confident they were going to lose this game more that I felt they're not going to they're, they're not going to go unscathed the rest of the way. Right. Like they're going to lose somebody. This is just the first and one of the better opportunities to do it, but in 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 the realm of backness though, if they do, I mean they kind of have to for for them to for me to still be forgiving of this, they do have to finish off and and beat West Virginia and win at Lub, Lubbock and beat Iowa State and win at Kansas and that is not quite as easy as it once appeared i mean all of that and so um yeah i think if, if they, i think if they lose two games or, or three games this year um then then i'm a little bit less less bullish but let's at least grant tom herman that things like we're, this this isn't a wa- like things aren't a wash now like things are still heading in the right direction now Texas. true agreed yes agree like i think it's, this is the first time in a, in a while where we can confidently say that we're not just hoping, like we're seeing that things are heading in the right direction, yes, right? Correct. And Sam Ellinger had a rough first half, but second half, like he was back to just gunslinger Sam and just laughing on the sidelines and hey, we're gonna win, guys, and and looked really good and really sharp and accurate and uh, who knows what kind of pain pain he was playing through. So I I'm, I am also back to my Sam Ellinger will be iconic take. I'm 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 back on that pontoon. So. I feel like we're, you know, things are still positive in Austin to me. What's the, uh, was there anything where you, any Iowa State, Texas Tech, or do you have any big Oklahoma thoughts that you wanted to, uh, to marinate on? I definitely, I mean, Puka, we got to get to Puka in Kansas, but, uh, I didn't, I didn't want to overlook the rest of the Big 12 before getting there. Well, I didn't, I did not get a chance to watch much of Iowa State Texas Me Tech. neither. Okay. We got it. Yeah, I, so I didn't we'll get to, many eyes on that. We'll have to pass on that other than the fact that I'm, you know, not surprised Iowa State won and, and still really like this team and they seem to I mean, Brock Purdy really seems to have ignited this offense. Um, and that's a big win. Uh, and then with OU, again, not a game I felt the need to, to take a lot of time watching because they were out of the gates and never, never really look back. I, I, I do believe that I'm hopeful Oklahoma's in the playoffs. Me too. Oh my gosh. I know. So if, if we have Clemson, Alabama, and OU, you know, the fourth team, whether it's Notre Dame or whether it's geographically, it's the same. All like, like the like Notre Dame, Michigan, Ohio State, right? We're all basically talking about like that region, that sector. And I, and I don't really care. I don't which care. of those teams are in it <laughs> no. because I don't think any of those teams are the same sort of animal that Clemson, Alabama, and Oklahoma are. Now, Oklahoma is is a significantly more flawed animal than the other two. But the offense is just so ridiculous that I, I I need to see it in that setting. I need to see it on that stage. So that that's that's my only takeaway is just another another game where you know they set up you know set 
records on, you know, points scored and just ran a Bill Snyder team out the building. I feel like when we entered the weekend, um, this it felt like one of those takes that maybe you and I had each either come to an agreement on or helped each other get to. But the idea that the cocktail party would be really a statement on Georgia, like Florida had all had exceeded expectations already. And you know what happened in this game, win or lose Florida was probably going to be Florida, but that this game was going to be telling for Georgia where that's where I was going into this game. And I think you were there with me. Do you, do you still feel that way that the big takeaway one for uh, Georgia's win is all very, very Georgia and maybe, and maybe not even all that much Florida. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I, I still don't know that I know about Georgia. I'm trying not to be a hater here, but like, I still don't know that I was impressed in the same way. I'm impressed with these other, you know, even, I'll even throw a Notre Dame or a Michigan in there along with the three we just talked about with, with Alabama clips and Oklahoma. It doesn't look the same to me. I, I'm, I, that game to me, if, if, if Felipe Franks doesn't overthrow an, an, an easy touchdown, if he doesn't, you know, throw an interception, a bad interception in the first quarter, if he had fumble coming out of his own end zone and, and if all those things, if Felipe Franks, basically what I'm saying is if Felipe Franks plays decent, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, even though I mean George ends up running away with it at the end, I'm still not sure if that game got to where Florida wasn't trying to play catch up a little bit that they they don't win it. And that's just take nothing away from, from Georgia. They went out and made those plays. But Well, it's high-character not- guys, and, and they heard all week that they weren't enough, but they worked. And they showed their work today. High character guys. Was that a Kirby Kirby quote? Um, it was a Kirby quote. He yeah. uh, he he came barking about high character. Jamie Jamie flew in for the uh, post game, and he was he was he's big time. You can tell that like with that week off after the LSU loss. I don't. I I don't know how big the actual tension was outside of uh, Athens. You know that program is so closed under Kirby's rule that you never really know um, yeah. what's going on inside. But I think inside, he's he's been spending a lot of time telling telling them that everybody on every all they all they think is this. You know what I'm right. saying? Right. And I don't know and how far did, that can take they, them, but they showed up here. Yeah, and they probably got a little bit too. I mean, look, people were calling for Jake Fromm's job, and they were like, and and, and people were Fromm played they, great. He, he did was, play great. He was great. I mean, that was to me was the clear difference. I mean, not that we ever thought that Fromm and, and Felipe were on a, on an equal footing, but I mean, that was clearly the difference. To but me if, is, is yeah, I mean, like we thought that Fromm was floating back to Felipe if they were close at all, and he right. he he showed himself to be definitively on a different class than Felipe Franks. Yes, he did. Um, so, but I, I mean, are, are, do you do you see this differently? Did did you come away with that being like, all right, now I'm back on the Georgia train. I'm back on the Georgia's a top five team mentality. No, I I, I think I think Georgia can be Michigan because we still don't know what Michigan is. Michigan still got some tests. Who would you? You think they can be Michigan or they would? Who who do you? Th- 
Who do you think is better, Georgia or Michigan right now? Georgia. See, I, I still, I, I still think Michigan's probably better. I think Georgia's got the freaks. That's the I, I'll say. Ty goes to some to the freaks, and Michigan's got like. I'm not saying Rashawn Gary is not a freak. I'm not saying that there are not unbelievable athletes, top tier, elite class human being athletes on the Michigan roster. But am I am I wrong? Like, am I seeing that through southern tinted glasses and just thinking that George Georgia's just got got some? Freaks? I don't know. I, I think you're underselling like a Devin Bush for Michigan. Yeah. And yes, he is only five eleven or whatever he is, but that dude punches an offensive guard or a lead block fullback or a whoever's coming at him like he's six four two fifty and he is he is he has got the Roquan Smith alpha sort of and that defense I think feeds off it and and Georgia's defense came to play and and they're really good. I'm not yet all the way there that this is a I'm, I'm, I've yet to. I don't know that I've established in the front seven who that guy is. That oh you, yeah, that's the bell cow. We might need to. Uh, I saw you and Michael Felder talking about this on Twitter. Michael Michael Felder has been hollering about that all season. <laughs> yeah, and 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 yet they're still they're very athletic. Dude, Jer- it, Jeremiah Holloman, what's 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 up with the homie from Covington, Georgia? He was he was more than CJ McWilliams, the Florida cornerback, could handle. Dude, that was uh, I, I don't know. I, 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 how about this? I feel like I can talk myself into Georgia's wide receivers. I don't always come away from a ball game being like, man, you know who really overwhelmed today? Georgia's wide receivers. But well, you, on, the, you, uh, on any single play, they're capable of doing freak stuff. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't. I don't think Michigan has that. And that's just yeah. one box on many that you would do. See, that, I would love to see that in the postseason matchup. That's 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 a game. That is a game I want. A Georgia Michigan. Honestly, we we probably get Georgia Michigan as uh as like a New Year's Six game. Yeah, it's it's trending that way, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I, I I'll take it in the they, Peach Bowl. We, a, Ge- a Georgia Michigan Peach Bowl would be great. I I think there's a chance we don't have a Big Ten team in the in the in the playoff four. And in that case, yeah, we could be looking at, and that, that that would probably be the, I don't know, I'm not a bowl guy, I don't, I don't always know how these, how these shake out, but that would be a cool matchup. Yeah. Um, uh, but but, yeah, but, but the, to the, that point, I'm not like, so where am I with Georgia? I think in calling Georgia Michigan, that is complimentary. That means I find you to be college football playoff worthy. Yeah. I, I mean no, and and I agree with that too. I, if they're if they're in the playoffs, they're not outmatched or anything. I think they're they're capable of playing with anyone in the country. I don't want to I don't want to sound like I think this team's not that good. I just think you know for a while they're the number two team in the country, and and LSU sort of shook everyone out of that. And I, I still do, I, I still think that was even with this win. I'm, I'm not seeing that kind of a team that sort of can beat or that I would put up with the three that we've talked about. Yeah. Uh, I think that there's – I that, I mean, it's important to remember that they were number two just because somebody had to be number two. 
And I would argue, sure. I would argue that no one was number two for a while, and Clemson became the first team to declare itself number two. Yes, that is, uh, I agree, accurate. Um, Florida, they take their second loss in division play. They're likely out of the SEC East title race. The SEC East will come down to Kroger Field, SEC on CBS, next Saturday afternoon. Lexington ain't never heard of a football game like this. The Kentucky Wildcats continuing to soar in the ranking. They keep it going. A walk-off touchdown against Missouri. Does the win feel right in your stomach, Barton? (laughs) Uh, this, this day in college football all over the place, I felt like teams were just throwing up passes and hoping for interception calls and rest were bailing teams out and bailing them out. Even when guys weren't really interfering, right? That shouldn't have been a pass interference. It should not have been a pass interference. And as a former DB, it disgusts me. It's like, how do you expect these guys to play defense? How, how do you expect them to defend a pass? And so that bothered me and annoyed me to no end. And there was, I could name several others over the course of the day where it's like, come on, that's, that's a pass interference? Come on. What? And so I've got that. And yet that pass interference allowed the Kentucky football story to continue. It allowed a November 3rd matchup for the SEC East with Georgia at home to be in play. And it allowed me to watch Mark Stoops crowd surf to Mo Bamba (laughs) in the Kentucky locker room, which was so awesome. So I I will take the trade-off of all those things for that horrible pass interference call. It is a great undercard to Alabama LSU. The SEC East on the line at 3.30, followed by the uh, SEC West on the line at 8. Right, and yet, what a, what a weird, like, I don't know what to make of this Kentucky team. They, I mean, they can't, there is obviously, or I don't, maybe not, maybe not obviously, but it's it sure seems like there's a scenario where where Georgia blows Kentucky out. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but but how long have we been saying this? I mean, we've been saying this all year, and all Kentucky does is keep on winning. And this is yet another one where it's like, all right, Missouri's a seven point favorite against a top twelve team that's six and one, and. How you know Missouri? If Missouri gets a lead, Kentucky's never going to be able to stay with them. And Benny Snell rushed for fifty-six yards or something. And okay, now it's but they just hung they hung in there, and then they and then they got a pass interference call and made them pay. And it's like, I mean, I don't know why I I don't I don't. This is another one of these teams like. I do doubt them, but I don't. I'm tired of it. I'd like to believe in them, but it's just maybe that defense is just that good. I think that Georgia will be the best offense that Kentucky has faced all season. And I think that uh, Texas A&M was probably the second best that they will have faced to this point, and they lost to Texas A&M. 
And that defense was really good in that game. But it might be that the defense is really, really good. And Florida in week two, which at that point was definitely still trying to find its feet offensively. Uh, Mississippi State lost at that time. South Carolina, Vanderbilt. And this Missouri win was very impressive because they were did it against a really good quarterback. But I would say that the offenses that they have faced as they have thrived to the point of being able to literally like to carry Kentucky to these wins in a seven and one start. I think Georgia's the best offense that it will have faced all season. And that that is the reason why you can, you can hang your hat on the idea that this is going to come to an end. That game will not be on my locks, on my <laughs> locks picks. I mean, I, uh, whatever the line is, I'm going to be inclined to go Georgia, and then I'm I'm going to and if I pick Georgia, I will sit there and and sweat some ridiculous series of events that keeps this thing close, and Kentucky grinds out a close loss or a win. Can you imagine if they win that game? Yeah, I can. I can absolutely imagine it. I mean. <laughs> Oh God! See, I I think that I'm more open to it. I'm I'm not to I'm, them to to them being this good. I see. I think that this good and winning the SEC East can be different conversations. It's a weird. It's a it's it's such a weird sensation to have a team that you're going to sort of. So, are you saying that you could win the SEC East and and like not be regarded as this good? You could Is win. The, I'm saying that you could win the SEC East, being and not be good enough to win the SEC East. No, you you'd win the SEC East and be a top 15 team. Just just hit it right, huh? Just hit it right, and look like that Florida win was hitting it right. They won that game in Gainesville. I don't think they win that game in Gainesville right now. I guess <laughs> you know, like I don't know. Um, I mean, this will, but I mean. I, I, Ultimately, too, Missouri is they do while well, they have a. I don't know. I'm lost. I'm confused by all of it. Ultimately, in a lot of universes, Kentucky took its second loss of the season on Saturday, just not the one that we're in. So, right. could it, so and, and even over the course of the game, I'm looking at Missouri and like I, I'm I'm thinking these complimentary things about oh man Missouri and everybody needs to see, more people need to be talking about Missouri's defensive line and man look what they're doing to Kentucky and wow who. But then you look up and it's like, well, what about the? But Drew Locke's thrown for 165 yards, and they can't. And it's just sort of this bizarre. Like the the, the Kentucky experience is bizarre. It's just, and and even the, even the SEC East experience is bizarre. So I'm I'll just I'll just sit and be a fan and just watch, see what happens. I think so. Kentucky is probably going to lose close to Georgia. It's probably going to be a Rodrigo Blankenship field goal and they're going to cover, but they're not going to win the SEC East. And that's going to be that reality where they're going to finish as the number 15 team in the country, the top three defense that was like a few plays away from winning the SEC East. Yeah. 10 and two, number 15. That's it. This feels like what this team feels like a team that's going to finish Second in the East, finish ten and two regular season, and get beat by thirty five by someone in the bowl game. Hundred percent, right? Yeah, I mean that's like, I mean that's like Virginia basketball. You win 
every you win seven go seventeen and one in ACC play. You go thirty one and three. It is very Virginia basketball. And then you show up in the tournament, and a team just starts dunking on you and wins by twenty. Yeah. Yeah. Who's it going to be? It'll be an SEC. Uh, probably an SEC ACC game. Like Kentucky shows up to the Belk Bowl and gets run Boston by or somebody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's their fate. Congratulations! <laughs> it was a good season. <laughs> We've been big guys, Kentucky guys. fans here on the podcast, but we we see how this ends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Let's see. Where uh, Where do you, you want to go next? next? Ah. What about uh? All right. Let's let's um. A and M, Mississippi State, or Iowa, Penn State. I didn't get much of Iowa, Penn State. I was tracking it more than I actually got eyes on it. So I would love to hear your takes if you've got them. Well, my take was as the game was was closing, there were two drives. Penn State was up six, and there was some. You know, it, was, it was an interesting game. There was some drama. Trace McSorley got hurt. Tommy Stevens came in, played a little bit. Trace came back. Tommy Stevens led him to a touchdown drive. Trace came back. Um, Played, played fairly well. Um, kind of a weird game. Nate Stanley did not play that well. But as the game, as, as the fourth quarter started to wind down, Penn State up by six. And, you know, they've got, so they've got two, their two losses basically come down to Michigan State and Ohio State's so sort of two-minute drill. They can't stop them. This inevitable sinking sensation that you're going to lose. It was going to. Ha- it was going to be a third straight for- lost fourth quarter lead. Stri- right. Third straight fourth quarter blown lead. Yes. And there, are tw- it was twice that it looked inevitable. Uh, Iowa State was or Iowa was driving, and got down to the goal line, and just sort of, ah, they were. They, I guess they were late going to play in um, the. The slot Noah Noah Fant was was trying to communicate to the wide receiver. wasn't looking at the didn't realize the ball was getting snapped. The guy he was supposed to be blocking sort of charged at the play as he was still in the middle of communicating, and ball got tipped up and picks an, an interception. It, what was probably a touchdown otherwise. And so then, you know, Pence, or Iowa gets one last shot at it. And again, they, they sort of drive 40 yards or something, and it just feels like the inevitable is going to happen again. It just felt like Penn State was going to let this, another one slip away, and they didn't. They got to stop, and they won. But it sort of brings me to this. It's hard to really gauge how good I think Penn State is because they're two, they are now two last-minute drives away from being undefeated. I mean, where would he put you – know, they're probably – third in the country if they're undefeated right now and they're also one other last minute drive and even that indiana game was close from being eight and four and so it's just sort of a weird penn state year and um hard to hard to know what to make of this team and hard to know what to make of this game i mean that that brings us to a game this weekend against michigan where probably another just close loss I don't see this being a team that gets blown out by people, but I'm just not sure it's good enough this year to be like one of that on that elite tier. Right. I mean the the fact that you said that you felt any inevitability trending in that direction means that this isn't a team that's on that championship tier. Right. You wouldn't 
you have watched a lot of Penn State this year. And if any part of your gut here in week nine is feeling like, oh man, they're going to blow it, then they just don't have the goods this year. And that's fine. I mean, it is if we, it is not sustainable at 128 of the 129 programs to have the goods every single year over a long stretch of time. But I, I, just, I think that Penn State 100% is good enough to beat Michigan. I think that there absolutely is a scenario where Penn State wins that game. But that's in, in the same way, like maybe there's a reason that they keep ending up on the short end of these losses to Ohio State and Michigan State and maybe to almost to Iowa. Is that this just, it's just not their year? It's, it's not their year, but it's, uh, you're, again, this is allowable, I think. I, I, this looks like it's going to be a 9 and 3 team. It feels like it's going to be a 9 and 3 team. And they got. At Michigan, probably a loss. Wisconsin at home, probably a win. And then they should beat Rutgers and Maryland. As long as they split Michigan-Wisconsin, as long as they take care of business against Rutgers and Maryland, and they finish 9-3, and three, I think that's an acceptable result for a team that just lost one of the best running backs we've seen in a long, long time, and their offensive coordinator, and seven starters, seven or eight starters on defense. And so... It's okay, and, and their losses were very close otherwise, and so this is just a team that's not ready this year to reload quite yet, but 9-3 with a couple really close losses is, is okay. Uh, if they finish 10-2, even better. That's a, that you're ahead of schedule. So as a teaser, uh, this may come up later in the week. Uh, it sounds like you were judging Penn State against the test of would nine and three be a disappointment? Cause I guess the over under win total was 10, right? Or nine, and a, nine and a half. Yeah. 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 I, I, I don't think I'd really considered that. I don't, I don't think that I was ready to view Penn state as a championship or bus team. I think that I might've confused my excitement for trace McSorley's season in general as an individual with team expectations but uh but nah, nine nine and three is absolutely acceptable i i i think that there's even room for two more losses and even at eight and four as long as they're respectable losses right yeah nah that's yeah. that that's interesting but i i don't think that any penn state fan could say that uh they could say this year was disappointing but not a disappointment Right, I think that's I think that's well put. I think, uh, that, I think that that's fair. What about uh, how about so Wisconsin thirty one seventeen losers to Northwestern? Just just like we thought would happen. I mean that's that's the way it works with Northwestern. You almost lose to Rutgers just to just to lull people to sleep, and then you go and beat Wisconsin. I, probably Wisconsin is one of the most disappointing teams of the season. Yep. I mean, they're right up there. This, you know, we 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 go through all this charade, like this song and dance of of you know wrestling with how good is Wisconsin as they play this bad schedule every year, and they finally have a year where we actually concede that this is a national title or a playoff at least worthy contender, and they go and do this 
Um, I mean, guest of the podcast last week, Andy Staples took the whole offensive line out to a big meal. I know. You know, we were we were everyone was here. Everybody was in line for the show of Wisconsin being the big flying beef, going twelve and zero, and showing up in the Big Ten championship game with a chance to take down big old mighty Ohio State or Michigan. Like this is so, so to the point where suddenly you're looking at um, the I you know Iowa losing at home to Wisconsin. It's like that's not that good of a loss, Iowa. Like you you needed to do better than that. Um, and uh, you know, it's just, I think the receiver preseason off field issues at the receiver position probably hurt a little bit. Uh, the, the defense is shockingly average. Um, and, and that, I mean, that's probably the big thing. I mean, they look, if their defense was still what we've seen the past couple of years, and that's really what's driven this team. You know, you can say all you want about the run game, John, the Taylor, whatever, but the defense was, has been sick, and this defense is not – it's just a very average defense. Nothing special about it. And so I don't know what the deal is with that. I thought they had enough to reload, and and I thought they had enough coming back that had already established themselves. I know they've had some injuries, but that, that's that's been shocking to watch. For a one-dimensional Northwestern team to be able to put up 31 on them is uh, – is is not what we're used to seeing out of Wisconsin. No, and how about this? I'm willing to uh, I'm willing to sit out, go big picture with Paul Christ, and and if I'm going to go that hard to like write his name down on a preseason coach of the year predictions, I can't turn on him right now. But the microscope's going to get sharper in terms of like, all right, so like how. How are things going around here? Because there have been some some troubling losses all season for Wisconsin, where they've looked un-Wisconsin. But you don't like you're not like suddenly doubting Paul Chris chops, are you? No, I'm not or doubting his chops. Yeah. I just I think that I think that coaches more than ever, if if there if a couple cycles don't go right, or if they get a couple injuries, or some attrition, or shoot for Wisconsin, some legal trouble. You know, like I, I think that when a couple things don't go right and things get unsteady, that's when everyone just everyone just starts digging a little bit more. You know? Yeah. Though, I, and, and I, I to you know to that point, like this is a bit of a a bit of a fulcrum type of year with Nebraska inevitably going to be better. Um, Purdue, as long as they keep Jeff Brom, is very clearly on the up and up. Um, Iowa Northwestern, I just, I mean, the West is about to be a whether well, it may never be the East, but it's about to be a significantly tougher division. And, uh, you know, it's going to be, it's going to take a little, little less margin for error for Wisconsin moving forward. Um, Rest, uh, anything else Big Ten? I was going to take us to the ACC where I was going to ask you if you were all in on the idea that Boston College can take down Clemson. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Big Ten-wise, I mean, a little disappointed that my, my Purdue lock did not hit. Uh, Michigan State did a very Michigan State show on Saturday and just, I don't know how. I mean, Rocky Lombardi, backup quarterback, was actually pretty good. Pretty I mean, good. They got a quarterback controversy on their hands. 
do you think it's do you think it's it's that it's do you think it is? Uh, I think Rocky Lombardi should be the quarterback. Really, I hadn't thought about that. I mean, he he looked good. He looks good. Um, he's I mean, and I don't know anything about him. Freshman quarterback. He looked, he looked good in like a very Michigan State way. Like it's the ball co- is not, is not always pretty coming out. It's he'll make some throws that are just sort of head scratchers where it's like what 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 kind of yeah you know, where, where was that supposed to go? And yet he's he's very blue collar, just figures out ways to make plays. Um, and uh, and and Michigan State, you know, did some Michigan State stuff. You know, it's been a weird, it's been a disappointing year for Brian Lewerke for sure. Yeah. Uh, I I do you think there will actually be a quarterback controversy? I'd be surprised if there was, but do you think there will be? The biggest takeaway is that whatever quarterback is out there, they get Cody White back next week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Michigan State may have just sort of survived. Yeah. Survived enough to, to um I'm a little disappointed that the the Purdue Big Ten West Championship story has to kind of come to a quiet close. I guess is it maybe it's still in play. Um I don't know how it works. They're they're tied for second still, I guess. I mean, Iowa um, and Wisconsin both lost yesterday also. Northwestern alone at the top. Northwestern alone at the top. Oh. Akron lost on their resume. Just a mess. Well, I mean, Purdue's uh, got a loss to Eastern Michigan. I think – I do you, do you think Michigan State can beat Ohio State? Yes. I think they can. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm, I'm saying. I'm looking forward to that game. That's gonna be a that, that'll, it and they got them at home. Yeah, that'll that'll be a fun one. Ah, uh, that'll entertain me through and through. That's what I'm. <laughs> that's what I'm pushing for here. Like you know what? Yeah, sure. Lewerke might be the guy, but if he throws a couple early picks, it gets a little rattled, and Lombardi gets to come in. Do you know what it's gonna be like for a quarterback named Rocky Lombardi to beat Ohio State? With a beautiful flowing head. I of mean, hair. oh, yeah. No, I I saw I that's like back of the the crystal ball. Like I I felt like I saw the way that Michigan State might beat Ohio State on Saturday. Yeah. Right when you start yeah. doubting, right when you start doubting D'Antonio, all of a sudden you realize they've survived. Yeah. He was elated um, in post game. D'Antonio was. Yes. Yeah, I, I mean, that was a big win. Yes. <laughs> oh God, the Big Ten West is a mess. I love it. They're they're Big Ten West starting to turn into the new SEC East. We should become. Pardon. Since of having a team that lost to Akron, number one in the in the division. Well, the ACC Coastal um, is probably going to be won by Virginia. Now that you mention it, right? I haven't looked at the standings. Is that where we're at? Right oh, now? have you not? Okay, all right. Awesome, I mean, that's awesome. Also, that's because if if we're talking about like the Big Ten West and the ACC Coastal and the SEC East, like of all these, ACC Coastal right now has uh, UVA in Dear first God. place. Pitt is third. Pitt tied Pitt is, tied Pitt for second. Tied for second. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. This is a, what a what an amazing 
amazing order of teams we've got there. And you know who Pitts won losses to? Um, North Carolina, the dead last team. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Good for Narduzzi. Hey, yeah, no doubt. And listen, the way that things were rolling for Pitt, they they needed to get conference wins just to make sure. I mean, they're four and four. They are not right. in the clear for making a bowl game. They right. They still got to go out and get these wins. Like it's we sit here well, pointing out second place in the coastal. I'm sure they're still out here making sure they get to six. No doubt. I mean, they could, they're still. That's a team that is three and one in conference, but might you know could very easily not win another conference game just based on the way the ACC works. They go at UVA, Virginia Tech at home, at Wake, at Miami. Yeah, they could lose all those. Yep. They could win all of them too. <laughs> stupid. <laughs> it's, so, it's all so stupid, which is awesome. Yeah, so Virginia, Virginia Tech at the end of the season, the Commonwealth Cup is looking like uh, it will be for the Coastal Division title. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Bronco, man. Way to go. Getting that thing rolling. Um, Miami probably the most... Miami up there with Wisconsin in terms of disappointments. They they don't have an impressive win on their on their schedule yet. They don't. They don't have one. They don't have one win that tells you they're a decent team. No. It's just and 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 now the now you're hearing the Miami fans start to be like the, you know the Rick haters are coming out of the woodwork now. Um. But such is life. Dude, I, as your coach. I I mean, I was I was going to say like this is just already very quickly uh a year that I feel like we can move on from for Miami. Oh, this this year for sure. It's just funny like when Mark Rick is your coach, I feel like you're constantly like waking up in the morning, looking in the mirror and being like, I'm, do I like myself? <laughs> is this do I and to, and for that to come from? I think, I think I look good today. I think I look really good today. And then they wake up the next morning. He's like, "Oh God, what? Why do I? Why do I look like what, this? Why, do I, <laughs> yeah, why can't Why can't I get a nose job or something? Like just a just a it's you you're constantly doubting yourself on whether you've made the right decision with this Mark Rick stuff because sometimes it feels great, and sometimes it's like, what? What have I? Where? What? Where? What are we? Um, every single. Uh, what was it? Every single underdog in the Pac-12 won straight up on Saturday. That's strong. Yeah, it's good conference health there. Uh, every single underdog. Uh, oh no, not every single underdog. The whole week because Utah was a favorite and and ran away with a forty-one ten win. But that would be Washington State over Stanford, Cal over Washington, Arizona over Oregon. Oregon State over Colorado and Arizona State over USC. Five for five on Saturday. Underdogs getting it done straight up on the field. Yes. Speaking of nonsensical conferences. Yeah. Yes. What um uh Washington disappointing team? Goo. They pulled Jake Browning. Yep. Did you see that? They pulled yep. Jake Browning, put in Jake Henry, threw a pick six. Cal only had 245 yards of offense and didn't score an offensive touchdown, and they beat Washington. So at least we can be we're, we still think Washington at least has an elite defense. Correct. We haven't. We haven't but there, it is now officially time to just pine away 
for the Jacob Eason season next year. Like this is it. This season's done. Let's survive it. Let's get better. Let's let's develop some some talent at, at the skill positions, and let's let's just hold out for Jacob Eason. They've got four quarterbacks named Jake or Jacob. Yeah, they're big on recruiting Jakes. They <laughs> that sounds it's, funny. It's a, pre, it's a prerequisite. Um, so Washington had 91 rushing yards in this game. It was the lowest total since they had 91 rushing yards and 13 to seven loss to Arizona State last year. I don't know why, yeah. but for the well, last two years, Washington was out. Yeah, 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 that's true. And but but Salvin Ahmed is their their backup running back is is very talented. So they, that shouldn't have been that big of a deal, but I think he's uh, been he banged up or had some sh- a shoulder, as they say. I think he's had a shoulder. Okay, and, hard to uh, run with the shoulder. Harder. I mean, I think he's. I think he's trying his best, but they're uh, they're watching his touches. But I mean, the the offense just doesn't look good. It's just not a good not a good year for the Washington offense. And well, look, keep in mind too, Jonathan Smith's gone. Bush Hamden is, is returned and as their offensive coordinator. And oh, and Oregon State. Speaking of Jonathan Smith, they got a big win over Colorado, uh, big nonsensical win. Uh, and but perhaps this is a little bit of an indictment on the hire, Bush Hamden. I mean, that that was one I thought was supposed to be a really good hire, but certainly there's there's some reason for for concern there. And they've had injuries on the offensive line from the jump. They have. That was supposed to be a really good offensive line, and they've and they've been beat up. Um, any Washington State feels. No Washington State feels other than I mean Gardner Minshew, that mustached gunslinger is is a, is awesome. Love it. Can you imagine he was planning on being a third string backup at Alabama uh, before backing out on tra- and transferred to Washington State instead? Just wanted to go basically hang it up and start his coaching career as a backup at Alabama, and now he's throwing for like 400 yards a game. I I, I felt like my my bigger takeaway there though was this like Stanford is just they have totally abandon their identity or yeah. their traditional identity. I'm not even saying it's the wrong move. I mean, they, they might as well embrace what they can do well, which is throw the ball. But it's just odd to see a Stanford team that threw it like 53 times or whatever they threw it and didn't even try to run the football in the first half. Um, so it, it's this is I, – I worry a little bit about Stanford. There's a couple years in a row now the defense hadn't been that good. Now they're starting to lose the run game. I, I I just I, there's some it's getting a little creaky over there. <laughs> creaky, a little, 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 little loose. I I I will not stand for that. You don't think so? No, they. I mean, like, and there are inter very. We can make big thematic decisions about what uh, the the impact of this being a goal line stand may or may not mean, but like. If uh if they punch it in the end zone last year, we're talking about the Pac-12 champs from a year ago. I, I guess I'm more talking about the the way it's looked, and it's more about. I mean, th- last year, yes, they they kind of got it done, but what they finish nine and four, eight and four, eight and five, they nine and five. If it was nine and five last year. They they did it by like suddenly they were giving up a lot of points on defense, um, and now we got a year where they're all, they're giving up a lot of points on defense again. They've got a new offensive coordinator, 
They are they can't run the ball. They're I just this is I, I think it's it's worth monitoring if you're looking at the, the trend line over time from seventeen to eighteen, nineteen is gonna be a telling year. Like that if they are I don't know, seven and five or something, then that's that's very concerning. If they're even like eight and five, I think that's concerning. Because we're we're just this is suddenly heading in a direction I don't like where it's going. Is I something something to monitor. Offensive line needs help. And in the same way that we mentioned Jonathan Smith, it's obviously uh you know, we should point to Rice coach Mike Bloomgren, and we have. But yeah. Bryce Love just isn't the bell cow, you know? Christian McCaffrey's been banged up. Christian McCaffrey was the bell cow. Well, Bryce Love was the bell cow last year, but he's but he's just been banged up this year. Right. I think so. I think part of Stanford's get right. Part of Stanford. I mean, Stephen Taylor was the the bell cow. Like, there's a. They just like they because they're missing a, a piece because I can't put it on the quarterback because I can't say that during Stanford's run of consistency. Since Andrew Luck, I have not been overly impressed by the quarterback play, period. So I can't put it on the quarterback. And so that's why my next you know, offensive line and just having that star running back. That's, all, that's really all I can point to for the offense. Well, I just think in general, I mean, they've it's just this, this, there's been staff turnover more so than we're used to seeing with Stanford. There's been uh, – and I don't. They they've recruited well enough to where they should be better now. So I, it's it's just look. I'm not I'm not giving up on this team this year. I'm just saying. I'm just I, saying I, that David Shaw I, I, is probably in the NFL in three years. That's all. Well, maybe 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 it's time. Maybe it's it's maybe it's time to sell. Do you think? Do you Shaw. think that we can start identifying like the way that how Jimbo just kind of slowly let it go, like maybe. Maybe he quietly canceled the cleaning crew a few months early. Like we already had the. I can't, I can't imagine that David Shaw has has told the cleaning crew they don't have to come anymore. No, but I, I was just wondering if if we can start to see it. You know, there's the like, yeah, the assistants haven't been popping up on the trail quite as much recently, and like the other the other signs that people often point to in that a situation where the head coach has uh, started to let their gaze drift away from the program at hand. And I would assume that if David Shaw makes a move, it's for the NFL. Now he has said when asked about the NFL that he's been there and he's done that. And he did for a long time as an assistant. So I think that he would like to stay there for as long as he can. But we'll uh, see. Yeah. I'm, I am not out here prognosticating David, Sh- David Shaw exit. I just think this team is not looking like Stanford anymore. They've and lost kind of it's, it's two years in a row now. Well, Last year they they partially didn't look like Stanford, just basically on defense. This year they don't look like Stanford on either side of the ball, and I, I wonder how long that will extend. Well, or Bart- whether they're going to fix. We'll see. Well, Barton, I hope that looking like Stanford is just winning football games. <laughs> I mean, hey, maybe they maybe they will evolve, I, but they're also not winning football games. I, I would put money on Stanford evolving. We'll see what it looks like. Um, yeah. Anything? Any? What else from the notebook? Uh, Oregon, speaking of the Pac-12, that worry me a little bit. There's some front runners. They got housed by Arizona, and I am starting to question Justin Herbert a little bit as well. In terms of 
first number one overall pick because not because he's not talented, not just because he had a bad game against Arizona. I just worried me a little bit that he's he feels a little bit like a Marcus Mariota in the sense that he's not the personality, the fiery guy that is like he's still going to be. He strikes me as a good starter in the NFL, not a franchise quarterback in the NFL wow. because of he just seems like too nice of a guy. So. When, How's that for an over analysis based on one loss? I know. I, I was saying, like, when it comes to stereotypes lining up with, uh, when when it comes to like the stereotypes lining up with exactly what you're seeing or what you're feeling, it doesn't get much better than the Pac-12 quarterback who's too nice of a guy. Right. He's too much yeah. of a thinker. Doesn't really seem to be all that into football. <laughs> yeah. Damn Eagle Scout. Yeah. Just, no. hey, why, why aren't you out there playing football and practicing all your Eagle Scout stuff? Hey, you know what I did in back? I spray painted a square on the tree. It's the ideal hit zone. Why don't we put down that hammer and go out and start hammering this bark? <laughs> um, what about um, uh, the only other thing I have, I guess, is Mississippi State going and getting a win at home. Nick Fitzgerald feel good game. Such a he good was, feel good game. I was cheering for him. Yeah, he got right, man. Good for him. I th- that was I'm sure it was a rough couple weeks. Uh, and I don't know how much we've touched on it. Apologize if we have, but pretty pretty good performance this year by Bob Shoop, Mississippi State. Having that like a, a a good coordinator his entire career, and then he had two terrible seasons at Tennessee. Like that could have very well well derailed him and he's gone back to Mississippi State and is now putting together one of the best scoring defenses in the in the country and granted they're talented but he's he's got his mojo all the way back and and that that was an impressive win by those guys indeed um hey this week we are going to sit down right after the new college the silly college football playoff rankings come out and we're going to record a little reaction so tuesday night if you want to hear some instant reaction to the first college football playoff selection committee rankings uh check out the feed subscribe and it'll just show up there on your mobile device barton we'll see how it goes if people like it and then we'll do it again if not yeah we'll just talk about it on wednesday show we'll see yeah if we got nothing to talk about we'll just scrap it but we'll uh We'll give you the. We'll try to give it as as timely reactions as we can do it. So it should be fun. He is Barton Simmons. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Barton, thank you very much. Thanks, man. <laughs>